Hi, I'm Bruce Burke. Welcome to the third episode of the Hashtag Pay podcast. Today, I'm uh, speaking with the uh, founder and CEO of World Watch Plus. His name is Chuck Papagiorgio. Uh, Chuck, tell us about uh, World Watch Plus. Hey, Bruce. So uh, World Watch Plus is an identity risk management platform. Mm -hmm. Uh, that we've been developing for the last five years. Uh, we brought it to the marketplace uh, three years ago, uh, and uh, it's now um, growing pretty much on a daily basis, adding new customers, uh, some relatively large names. It's uh, the basic functionality. It's generally known in the payments industry as a KYC functionality, and it's used for know your customer, uh, anti-money laundering, and you know it's a regulatory technology mm -hmm. platform. It's uh, the next generation of AI-based and machine learning and natural language processing-based technology. And it's uh, truly revolutionizing the way KYC applications are developed. And so you're the founder of the company. Uh, how, how did you get started? What made you build a KYC platform, of all things? Yeah, so five years ago, we used to be in the background check business. And uh, my, my business partner, Eric Beach, who's our chief technology officer, and I, we both happen to be geeks or uber geeks by some definitions. We were looking to develop uh, a platform and we didn't like what was out there uh, because our customers were asking us for the service. And we started developing this concept of a global risk information exchange. The notion that risk needs to be exchanged and the one kind of risk that doesn't have an exchange is identity risk so whether you're dealing with a, a company or an individual you know what do you know about them based on their identity are they a, a good customer a risky customer uh, are they wanted by multiple governments did they show up in the press as a uh, with a lot of negative media and uh, we spend um, a significant amounts of money in the millions of dollars over the last few years, building that platform. Uh, and because we were, let's say, we're both uh, geeks and engineers and technologists, we developed something that looked out and picked the most advanced technology, basically to avoid and eliminate using humans, uh, gathering the data. Um, and, and because that's a, that's a major problem. It used to be, we joked that it used to be a trickle of KYC sources, and now it's a river. And, uh, and using humans to read through the bulletins and the announcements from a couple of thousand agencies and uh, hundreds of media sources and, and 240 plus countries, it's impossible. And do it in real time, it's impossible. That's why we developed some, we started developing using advanced technology that today everybody's talking about, but we started using it five years ago. So uh, recently, uh, I, uh, you put out a thing on one of the social networks, I think it was Facebook, and you asked for uh, people to vote for you in an awards thing. Did, did you win the award? Did, uh, what, what's going on with that? Tell me about that. <laughs> Actually, it's been a pretty good year for us. Uh, we, uh, uh, at the beginning of the year, we got uh, selected as one of the top 10 uh, KYC providers by banking. Oh, wow. Yeah, Banking CIO Outlook magazine. That's the second year in a row. And then last month, we got selected and uh, out of hundreds of companies uh, by the Technology Association of Georgia as one of the top 10 most innovative companies. 
um, some very, very impressive companies uh, in that uh, in the top 10 and we're proud and thrilled to be selected with that. And then the one that you saw was Regulatory Insights uh, has their annual global conference in London. And we made the uh, top 10 uh, shortlist in two different categories for KYC and, uh, and uh, uh, KYC onboarding. So yeah, we are, you know, we don't go out there trying to win awards, but it's nice when we get recognized <laughs> by our peers. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and uh, it's nice to have those trophies in the lobby when people come to visit. If, if uh, you know, if, 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 uh, if, if uh, they're coming to visit you and, and meet with you, uh, they can see the awards. Now, you said that the state of Georgia was one of the awards that they actually awarded the award? So it's the Technology Association of Georgia. It's the statewide uh, tech organization. Uh, and they run a competition every year. They invite companies uh, to submit um, their ideas, and one of our um, one of our team members thought it would be a cool thing for us to apply. Uh, I actually didn't know about it until afterwards. Uh, <laughs> That's and, nice that, that, that you're you you must be running a good company. You actually have employees that take initiative on their own, and <laughs> you must be a good boss. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I would do have a good team. We have a you know a team. It's it's mainly they're all. Um, in, you know, analysis and uh, software development, and uh, you know, there's there's not a lot of uh, uh, overhead in that company. So everybody's a pretty sharp person uh, in the job they do. So the majority of the quote unquote heavy lifting uh, it, with your platform and with your services versus uh, the traditional guys, you know, and and the 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 incumbents that have been around. Uh, from what my understanding uh, of the background of KYC is it used to be pretty much a paper process. Am I incorrect in that or not? Yeah, you're close. It's the, the, traditionally, there were maybe a handful of agencies around the world that published watch list and sanctions and, and it was basically human driven, right? The, a bunch of people in the room reading bulletins and updating a database. Um, over the years, they embedded some technology into the process, but the legacy providers are still basically doing that. Uh, and today we live in a streaming world. It's, it's, you can't wait three weeks to have an update to your database. It needs to be continually updated. I'm going to give an example of you're doing business with a bank that tomorrow gets on a sanctions list. Well, two days from now, you better not be doing with that business with them. But then... 60 days from now, the government, a government decides, oh, let's take them off the sanctions list and now you're okay to do business with them. It's, uh, it's, it's almost a real-time update thing. And there's just no way for humans to keep up with it. It's just too much information. I'll tell you, even by, there's, a, there's an interesting statistic by a company that tracks politically exposed persons. And even by their own admission, they say that out of a million PEP movements a year, they make 50,000 updates to their database. But guess what? That's not good enough. Of a million PEP movements a year, we track them all. If it's published in the government bulletin in any one of the 240 plus countries, we get it. So it is, it's a streaming word. It's a, it's a much faster pace. And what's happening is in the, in the old environment, you relied on people and because of the false positives and the noise, 
they would rather not include the information if it was going to cause a false positive. Or if they didn't quite understand the information, they would just remove it. In our case, we get all the information. It doesn't matter. And then we use the AI engines on top of that to actually remove the false positives and increase the accuracy of that. I'll tell you, the industry average for processing a, a false positive is 15 minutes. We have a large client of ours, a global company, that I can't mention the name, uh, that does millions of transactions a year through us, and they keep telling us that the average processing is three minutes. Wow. So, and, and that's just with this version. We haven't launched the latest version of our AI platform was coming in in the next few weeks. That's going to take it down even more. So, so you're doing some enhancements and improvement. What, uh, what version are you on now of, of World Watch Plus? So this is when now, well, we go by years. So this is version 19. And wow. the, the next release will be version 19.1. And it's coming out at the end of the quarter. But we really don't use numbering because our clients know we update the application on a continual basis. The only time we we put a release out for newest enhancements, we will make major enhancements. So the next set of major enhancements will come out in the next probably four to five weeks. And so how does a company go about using World Watch Plus? You, you mentioned application, is it a web-based application? Is it a, uh, 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 I know that it doesn't happen anymore, but do you download it and install it? Or how, how, how do they interface with it and, uh, you know, basically so, you know, somebody who was a potential customer to you would understand that? So we have, we have actually built our application to be used uh, uh, using an API platform. Okay. Because, uh, most of our customers, whether they're payment processors, payroll providers, uh, consumer reporting agencies, cryptocurrency exchanges, uh, all, and we have all those types of customers, they each have their own unique workflow and they need to be able to embed the, the query and the result from our platform into the workflow. So we've built an API-based platform that okay. you know, basically a global platform. But then we build a web front end for smaller users that want to use the, the portal, but even the portal communicates back to the application via the API. So everything we've built is designed to be enterprise level, enterprise quality, mission critical, and then obviously, you know, certified by you know, security, uh, we, we undergo regular security tests, uh, be GDPR uh, compliant for data privacy, and all the other things that go along with that. Well, so you mentioned uh, cryptocurrency exchanges as clients, and cryptocurrency exchanges really didn't exist until just a few years ago in, in, in my world anyway. Um, are, is, is, so is that a big push in your industry now in, in uh, KYC is, is uh, uh, providing service to, I, I imagine there's quite a few exchanges springing up. I read about them going down or getting hacked all the time. So there's got to be quite a few going up, you know? Yeah, it's funny you should say that because we actually get uh, asked all the time and we, we mostly, we're very careful about screening who will provide services to because the cryptocurrency world is, uh, it's still a little bit of the wild west. 
uh, but uh, the exchanges are now recognizing that if they want to be compliant with regulations, uh, they have to do the things that in a way go against the grain of cryptocurrency, right? The whole idea of cryptocurrency was that it would be completely anonymous. Well, governments are not happy if you're holding millions and millions of dollars of funds <laughs> and you're exchanging them and don't know who is exchanging the funds, right? No, so, they're not going to be happy with that. No, no. So the legitimate exchanges, every one of them, and you know, we, we, we have already a couple of customers in that space and we're going to have a few more that we're negotiating with, the legitimate exchanges do embed KYC into their onboarding process before they bring in a customer. And, and that is a new development for them. And the reason that we're, we're getting quite a bit of that business is because of the advanced technology. Because, you know, cryptocurrency exchanges are not going to go download a database, right, and query a database. They want to do things in real time. Um, yeah. we, also have, we also have fraud detection networks as clients who don't, they want to be up to speed on a continuous basis because their fraud detection moves on a continuous basis. So, yeah, cryptocurrency and fraud detection are, are, are new areas that they're recognizing there is a need for KYC uh, and there's a need for regulatory compliance. And we're starting to see more of those guys, the legitimate ones, for sure. I, 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 uh, uh, I said a while back that, you know, the exchanges in my mind are the weakest link in the cryptocurrency change, uh, chain. And then, uh, you know, the, the whole concept of cryptocurrency was the decentralization of it. And when you bring an exchange into the, the mix, you're essentially re-centralizing what you just decentralized. And uh, it makes no sense to me. And, and I, I, but you know, that, that's neither here nor there with you. So what separates your stuff? And you've already told me a lot of it, but what, what really separates your stuff from those traditional guys, those, 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 and I don't know who the companies are. I know very little about KYC, but who, who, what separates you from all the guys that have been around and, and then have done it for a number of years and, and, you know, uh, been in the industry for quite a while? Yeah, there, there's a few things that separate us. The first thing that separates us is that we are a continually updated streaming like service, meaning there is no database. There's no analyst. We update indexes that are always up to date pointing to the, the relevant information. So that's the first one. It's, it's highly advanced technology. Everybody talks about, uh, you know, they use fuzzy logic. It's like, good grief, we were using fuzzy logic five years ago. We are now using things like machine learning and natural language processing, cognitive analysis, and, and, and things like that. So, so our technology and the fact that allows us to continually stream the data and update is the first thing. The second thing that, that, that makes us different is our pricing models. Because we never looked at it as a database, we didn't price it as a database search. So for example, if, if somebody was gonna look up, uh, you know, Chuck Papagiorgio and Charlie Papagiorgio and Chuck Papagi, uh, they would get hit with three charges. And we don't do that. We built a pricing model that says, we charge by the entities being searched by the case, if you wish. And between that pricing model 
And the fact that we are an automated workflow engine, so there is no manual uploads and downloads and database searches and things like that. So people can embed us straight into their process. We have a total cost of ownership that's anywhere from 20 to 25, sometimes 30% lower than legacy, which is kind of funny. We have a, this is a, a direct quote from a large client, a large insurance company who said, we are actually paying you more for your subscription service every year than we paid the legacy provider. And our total cost is still 20% lower. <laughs> that, that's great that's a great testament there <laughs> yeah I mean, and, and this is a very sophisticated insurance company that tracks actual total cost of ownership right they realize that wait a minute if i need to hire three more people because all the stuff is manual but i now just created a completely automated process that uh converts the data uploads the data gives me back the risk profile alerts me to the ones that I need to be alerted to. And when I'm alerted, I can get it done in less than three minutes instead of 15. Yeah, my total cost is a lot lower. So we have that. And then the third thing we do is I'm old school. Um, I'm the, the, from the school that says when a customer says jump, the answer is how high, when do you want me to come down? So, you know, we're not pushovers, but we go way out of our way to do whatever a customer wants us to do. I'll give you an example. We had a client that called us up, that was about three months ago and said, hey, you know, we just made some API changes on our side and I know it's gonna take you months to do this, but would it be possible in the next nine months to make this API change so we can, and my CTO stopped them half sentence and said, how about you give us three weeks, right? <laughs> It doesn't, happen. it doesn't happen all the time, right? It depends on the workload of the team. But our attitude is months. We don't operate in months. We operate in days and weeks and hours schedules, right? So that's the three biggest differentiators that we have. You were talking earlier uh, and, and just recently in this, uh, you know, when you mentioned, you know, that his total cost of ownership went down. Have there... Uh, so a lot in tech and, and a lot of the, the review videos and unboxing videos, they're pitting one against the other, right? The, the newest iPhone against the newest Samsung or, or what have you, right? Or the newest laptop versus the newest laptop, you know, right down the line. Have, have, has anyone in the industry or have you personally taken a data set uh, or you know a, a a query let's call it that right and put it to the traditional uh you know the the legacy systems those guys you know and also put it to you and done a side-by-side -side comparison test for anybody has anybody done that or have you done that that would be really interesting i think all the time but we can't share the results so we have as a matter of fact, it's funny you should mention that. We just finished a head-to-head -head with a large company in Asia that took uh, exactly what you just said, uh, a large set of data, and they run it through, actually, they run it, they run it through three different uh, providers and uh, to verify the accuracy of the data and everything else. And they definitely, they came back to us. Um, now, what was interesting is we lost the deal uh, a little while ago, about a year ago. And it was funny because the purchasing manager decided that one of the companies didn't perform as well. 
So they decided to give me a little bit of offline time to clean up their results. And, you know, I mean, at some point you just say, okay, I was RFP fodder. They really weren't interested in a benchmark. Uh, but yeah, we, we, we get that all the time and we're always happy to do that. Uh, we, we can run thousands, hundreds of names, thousands of names. It doesn't matter. And then we, uh, we actually have a, uh, we're in the process of discussing it right now. We have a, a fraud network that wants us to embed a platform into their fraud monitoring network. And okay. it's, it's a hard network. So it's a closed network. So literally the response time needs to be less than 20 milliseconds per transaction. And we went back and showed them the design and how we would do it. And they were just blown away because they couldn't, they couldn't even get uh, the legacy competitors to even think how they could possibly do that. And we delivered a complete solution to them. So we'll see how that goes. Um, that's still in the under NDA, so we really can't talk about that. We also had a very large, and again, it's one of those, I can't mention the name, but it's uh, suffice it to say, it's one of the largest credit card names in the world that tested our platform and they picked us to be their global KYC provider. And we're in the process right now of integrating and doing testing uh, for a launch sometime late this year. Wow, nice. And so one of the big five, I'm guessing, you know, <laughs> there's not that many of them, right? <laughs> I'm going to keep my mouth shut on that one. <laughs> okay. I'll mention initial and you can nod. Oh, we're on a podcast, so I'll never see you. Okay. Um, so on, on, onward here. Uh, so it's not only speed, it's accuracy too, because that's really what it's all about is being able to actually identify fraud when it's coming up or identify someone who has the potential potentiality of fraud, yes? Yeah, so that's an interesting question. So we are an entity risk manager, right? So um, either we know that somebody's risk because they've been clearly tagged by OFAC, by Interpol, by one of the public, you know, one of the global agencies. Right. They're highly potential for fraud because they're in a watch list or were in a, in, in a sanctions list, which then you know may or may not be the result of 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 of, um, of an actual criminal act. But the other thing is, we also could be a reputational risk, right? They may be in the headlines for embezzlement, fraud, human trafficking, but they haven't been uh, officially tagged. So it's accuracy and also breadth of data collection. So we had a customer. <clears throat> and it's also updating. Uh, we had a customer that, that run a name through the legacy provider that flagged them as an Interpol subject, but Interpol had taken them off the list weeks ago. And then they run it through our system and it came back clean. It came out with a note that, that this person was on the Interpol list, but now it's clean. They're not on the list anymore. And, 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 and the client called us up and says, oh my God, thank you for... for for providing that service because how we denied them, this is a major issue in Europe. We would have been all kinds of hurt. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty interesting, fascinating business. So it's about accuracy and not only just accuracy as the data expands, because think about it, like I said, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, there were literally a handful of agencies and maybe a couple of countries that care. Today, if you go to the FATFA uh, website, 
every single country in the world has anti-money laundering, anti-terrorist financing, uh, anti-human trafficking. Every financial services platform better be compliant with that. And I tell you, the fines, they will make a head spin. $60 billion worth of fines in the last seven or eight years, just, wow. just from the financial institution perspective. So yeah, it's not even dealing with enterprise business or anything like that. Just just FI, right? No, no. We actually uh, we got clients in. Uh, in no, no, no. I'm saying that the 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 uh, the uh, fines were oh, just, yeah. in the, just in the financial institutions. Nothing to do with standard enterprise business. Just in financial institutions, yeah, that, there was that, that much in fines. Yep, yep. Uh, and then you know, if you go back and try to add up all the the standard businesses that get tagged. Um, you know, for exporting to a prohibited country, for example, or for shipping, shipping software to an individual that's connected to a, uh, a terrorist organization, or for, uh, you know, doing business with a state-owned enterprise. I mean, it just, it's just, it's, it's mind-boggling how some companies will do business with just about anybody, and then they're surprised when their name shows up in a headline, right? So, <laughs> So there's, so there's the funny part. I tell people, it used to be the only guys that cared about KYC were the, the poor guys in the basement, the compliance analyst. Now everybody yeah. cares. The COO, the, CE, the CEO cares because they don't want the penalties and they don't want the headline risk. The CIO cares or the COO cares because they don't want to add more people to do compliance. And the CIO, CTO cares because they can't just start another database and expect everything to work. They need workflow integration. So we, we like it when we end up talking to all three uh, principals in a company and they all agree and then they pick our solution. It's a, it's a pretty cool place to be. So you're looking at, uh, so you're bringing in all kinds of data from all kinds of places into the platform. How do you go about getting all this data uh, Obviously, you're you're subscribing the services and you're you know interconnected into different uh, 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 sources and that kind of thing. But how how do you go about amassing all that data and and looking at all that data in real time? Is, is there a secret sauce that you know? I'm I'm sure you don't want to reveal it, but but what's the basics of that, right? I'll tell you, but then I'll have to kill you. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah. So we um. We, uh, yes, there's a lot of secret sauce. We've built, um, so, and I'm going to get geeky on you for just a minute. So we built a segmented nodal, N-O-D-A-L uh, platform, which basically is, is, is made up of um, a data collection engines. So we designed smart bots that go out and gather data. So this is not your web scrapers that everybody can do. We design custom bots that actually read websites, read HTML pages, reach PDF documents, uh, download bulletins in word format in multiple languages. Then we've developed a source management system that basically monitors all of our sources and automates the work that analysts do, right? So we're always keeping up with, gee, this agency now has uh, three new websites and they issue two more bulletins. This agency now has uh, five sub-agencies. That agency merged with that agency. This country just created a new um, uh, AML watchdog, right? So 
So the source management system is the one that now coordinates that. Then we design a data lake. And a data lake, you know, it's a generic term, but in our case, a data lake is designed to hold and index structured and unstructured data. And uh, while some of the innovations that we've built, we've built a way so the indexing of that data is done in real time. So as the data gets loaded into the data lake, the indexes get updated without having to slow down the system. And to do that, we use things like machine learning and natural language processing. And obviously, I can't tell you the details behind that, but we use these. No, no, I, I wouldn't expect you to. That, that's giving away all your secrets. That's so, right. So uh, uh, well, let me finish that. Let me finish. And the last piece that we just did, uh, uh, the last piece to the equation, is we use an artificial intelligence engine that does cognitive analysis. And what that basically says is anybody can get a bunch of programmers in a room and write Python code to read transaction data, numerical data, and figure out patterns. But writing a cognitive analysis, meaning that your AI engine has to understand the difference between an article that's talking about poaching an egg and poaching a rhinoceros. Words are the same, right? Yes. So is a crime the other one is not and then once it recognizes that it needs to be able to say oh uh, uh you know burke's bruce burke was the the warden of the camp where that happened so he's not the bad guy but chuck papa giorgio was the guy that arrested the guy who shot the rhinoceros right so so that's the next level of intelligence and the engine that we use quite frankly if it is one of the most sophisticated if not the most sophisticated AI, cognitive AI engine. It's one that's got 20 years of investment by the US military, and we're probably one of the very few, if not the first commercial user of that platform. So that's so, the secret sauce. <laughs> that, that, that's some secret sauce there, baby. Uh, you, you just gave away trade trick. No, I'm kidding. But um, a question that keeps coming up in my mind, and, and I, you know, forgive me if I'm wrong, you probably understand this better than I do, but from what I've been reading about quantum computing, it's no longer a series of ones and zeros and ones and zeros. You're essentially looking at the data from a 360 degree perspective. Do, would, uh, are you looking into or does quantum computing play any part in uh, World Watch Plus or in the future? Um, not right now. So for us, quantum computing is all about the ability to run multiple scenarios at the same time, and which has applications for cryptography and, and you know, highly dense numeric data analysis. Um, at some point, it will become an issue and we'll be able to use the technology. For us, it's more about using the, the, the using raw computer power to power this AI engine, uh, we call her Ava, the, the artificial intelligence virtual adjudicator. It's, it's to use our AI engine to run faster and gather more data, but our model is not, an, what they, it's not what they call an unsupervised model. It's not just throwing some data at a machine, it's a supervised model. So we actually apply our understanding, and that's what a human intelligence uh, in, analysts do, to train the engine to continually improve. So at some point when quantum computing becomes 
commercially available as a processing platform, yeah, I'm a geek. We're always looking for the latest technology and, and, and so is my tech team. So yeah, we'll go play with that. But right now, we're focusing more on raw computing power okay. for the AI engine. You know, I, I read an article a while back, and I just want to uh, kind of throw this out there. I read an article about machine learning, and, and they were using machine learning to teach cars to be self-driving, essentially, right? But original, initially, when you're doing machine learning, is you got to teach the machine first, right? So uh, they noticed that one of the cars that had been taught in machine learning was outperforming all the other cars when it had the same motor, the same wheels, the same chassis, the, the same this, the same that, right? It was an exact duplicate of the other one, but it was making their time trials better. It was, you know, performing better. And it turned out that the gentleman who had done the initial intro uh, with the machine to the machine learning had been a, a, a sports car driving enthusiast, right? So he drove it the way a sport, you know, tight into the turns, you know, coming out, you know, like one of the guys from the Grand Tour would drive the car rather than how a standard consumer motorist would. Uh, have you seen that in machine learning that uh, any kind of uh, issue with that or, or you know, enhancement with that? If you got somebody smarter that's teaching the machine from the beginning, uh, you know, it ends up uh, stronger in the end? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We actually went a step beyond that. Uh, we became a gold member of the Cognitive Alliance because we not only want to make sure that we have the right people training the engines, we also want to make sure it's done in an ethical and responsible way, right? So um, we got the gold seal of approval from the Cognitive Alliance for using AI that way. So yeah, we are... We, we, you know, I'm one of the people that trains the engine. I got almost three decades of of risk management and 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 background in the data space. Eric's got 25 years of that. Uh, we have analysts that have spent the last three years, and all they do day in and day out is understand how the data is used, who's using it, and then they used to write the heuristics that go into the engine. Uh, I have more lawyers as part of my team than. Sometimes I think it's healthy to have as part of my team. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to totally make, understandable, yeah. yeah. To make sure that we absolutely follow compliance regulations and understand how the frameworks work and, and how to be compliant because we operate globally, right? So it is absolutely true. Machine learning by itself has embedded biases. And, and if you're not careful, you can program into the machine. So we are actually, the next stage of evolution with what we're doing is, and we're not there yet. Right now, we want to get to the next release of AVA. But sometime over the next year or two, we plan to create what they call a GAN, a global adversarial neural network. That is actually a network that counters all the results of a baseline AI and tries to recreate it to make sure there's no bias in it. But now you're getting into the algorithmic analysis of GAN networks, and I am sure none of your audience will be <laughs> falling asleep listening to that. It makes my head hurt trying to understand in half the times. Yeah, you posted something the other day, and you're like, uh, got a headache, I, and I read the first paragraph of what you were sharing there, and I was, I, I put a, a TLDR on it. I was like, oh my God, no, no, no. So yeah, I, I, I understand that you, 
and your colleagues and, and your associates and your developers uh, deal with things on a much, much deeper level than almost anybody uh, would, you know, uh, in relation to computing, right? The consumers, the banks, right on down. You've got to go, if, if you're going to sell to a bank, you got to go deeper than the bank, right? If you're going to yeah. sell to it, right? <laughs> so, so it's interesting. I, again, it's one of those things I can't tell you the name until April 15th when they announced the schedule, but there is a global financial services platform provider um, and, uh, and we've been telling him what we're doing and the global risk manager was like, BS, nah, I don't believe you. So I was like, okay. So finally, uh, uh, Ken got him to give us an audience and uh, Ken and Eric, our CTO, got on the phone with them. And by the end, it was, they, they gave us a 30 minutes thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys are full of it, right? Right. Uh, the call went an hour and a half. And at the end of the hour and a half, they changed the schedule of the global user conference coming up in three weeks to give us a time slot so, uh, so we can get up on stage and tell them what are the best practices of using AI and machine learning and natural language processing in KYC. And then, of course, talk a little bit about how we do it within our product. So, yeah, it is... It is the, you know, we, once we get to the right person within the FI or the payment processor or the, or the bank, they immediately get it. Great, great. So you, you've got it. It sounds like a bright future. Uh, uh, we're definitely looking forward. Uh, folks, uh, Chuck is going to be one of our speakers at the upcoming Pay Symposium uh, August 2021st at the Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. Uh, Chuck will be live on stage and uh, uh, showing us how to do the uh, how to do a uh, a shot and and say opa, <laughs> but also uh, but also talking about KYC, anti money laundering, and 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 uh, AI, machine learning, cognitive intelligence, uh, quantum computing, and a lot of other stuff that I don't even understand. So uh, uh, take a look. It's uh, Chuck. How can they get in touch with you? Uh, easiest way it's uh, uh, through our website. It's worldwatchplus.com, uh, and just click on the link and send me an email. Or obviously, uh, you can get me on on um, via email. It's uh, chuck.papagee@worldwatchplus.com, or find me on LinkedIn, Chuck Papagiorgio. Okay. And that's, uh, let's see, can you spell that for us for those of us who are, are not of the uh, Greek faith? <laughs> yeah. It's Papa, P-A-P-A, Giorgio, G-E-O-R-G-I-O-U. Okay. Thank you very much, Chuck, for uh, visiting with us today. I really appreciate your time. Uh, folks, uh, like I said, Chuck will be uh, participating in the upcoming Pay Symposium, uh, August 2021 at Caesars Palace, Las Vegas. Uh, com. if you want uh, more. And uh, I, I look forward to uh, uh, seeing you there, Chuck, and, and everyone else there, too. Uh, I, I believe uh, Chuck is also joining our advisory board. We're a little behind on that. Uh, uh, we had some issues, and uh, don't need to go into that, but uh, we had some uh, uh, issues uh, with with uh, family and whatnot. Uh, but uh, uh, Chuck, I believe, has also joined our advisory board, and we're getting ready to announce the first round of speakers. Uh, April 2nd will be the first round of speakers, and uh, Chuck is among them, 
and I believe he's joined our advisory board. I don't know where we're at with that yet, but uh, we're looking for speakers, sponsors, exhibitors, uh, everything for the next round of speakers. Uh, we're going to announce the first round in April. Uh, next round is coming uh, approximately six weeks after that, and the third round six weeks after that. So uh, banks, uh, payment companies, uh, fintech, uh, plus startups. If you're an early stage startup in the fintech space, we're looking for uh, uh, companies that want to participate in our startup showcase. Uh, www.paysymposium.com. Thanks again, Chuck, for uh, joining us today. Uh, I really appreciate your time. Uh, take a look, worldwatchplus.com, folks. Uh, easier, faster way to onboard your clients. Make sure you're not selling to the wrong people and make sure you're, when you are getting somebody, you're getting the right people. So uh, great, great, great uh, session, Chuck. Thanks so much. Uh, look forward to uh, seeing you at Pay Symposium. Bruce, it was my pleasure. You have a great day. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye.